How are you? Good. Good stuff. Having a good day? <clears throat> ah, having a good day. It's a beautiful day here. And uh, and the, everything you look, I'm looking out my window and, and couldn't be, the world couldn't be more beautiful. So, <laughs> so serious question for you here, Ken. Um, by the way, Ken is the president, CEO, and director of Sonora Gold. Did you make the wife porridge this morning, or is that a weekend thing? Hey, I made my wife porridge every single day, 365, every day, every day and uh, coffee. So that's it. Uh, she's well taken care of. Now she's off to work anyhow. So Nice. So, um, so on the macro side of things, I know it's been a little bit of a tough market, um, but you know, it really is an exciting time for gold, in my opinion. Um, I do think it could pull back a little bit more, um, but you know, typically, I think most people do think we're going to head into a recession uh, in the next, you know, four months, six months, as far as eight months. And you know, tradi traditionally, gold does very well two years outside of a recession. Um, kind of just get your thoughts on on the macro stuff before we get into uh, the company. Well, I think uh, the macro uh, elements are lining up for us quite nicely. Uh, gold, the, the run-up in gold in the past uh, few years has been extremely positive. It mirrors some of the earlier run-ups in the you know from the early two thousands heading up into the late two thousands, and so it's building up a very very strong base here. With I think the support level, the true support level, around seventeen hundred dollars. And uh, it, it has tested the, the $2,000 mark uh, several times now. It's gone over there, stayed there for a little while. And we've had a, you know, a sort of a three-month run of uh, you know, trying to push the envelope a little further beyond uh, 2050. And uh, it, we haven't quite succeeded yet. It's backed off, which so is quite natural. And uh, it, it'll, it'll build up uh, enough strength and a bit of a base uh, this level and maybe slightly lower, like you suggested, uh, and before it takes another run at it. And so I think the, the macro elements for gold in, in the next uh, couple of years are very, very powerful for us. <clears throat> and then, you know, of course, from the point of view of uh, new discoveries, they, they have not been um, very, very uh, frequent over the past few years because, you know, exploration funds have been have dried up to a great extent and in many jurisdictions, Canada, of course, being one, Australia is still doing quite well in that regard. But the um, when you when you're looking at the replacement, of, for example, in our jurisdiction in Mexico, when you look at the replacement of of gold mines, where you know, some of the older gold mines are running out of ore, uh, there has not been a replacement of of that, uh, and so you're going to see. You know, Mexico is number eight in the world, but you're going to see a, a, certainly a, a, a dearth of uh, new gold projects coming into production over the coming year or two. And, and that will, of course, uh, uh, you know, the, the su supply, lack of supply will actually have a positive impact on the, on the, on the price of gold as well. But I think the, the, the larger, uh, political geopolitical issues that are taking place right now will have a much more significant impact on the price of gold. And the direction that the United States dollar takes is going to be the overriding factor above all. That's right. Yeah. If the, if the U.S. dollar rises, gold is going to sell off and vice versa. 
Correct. Yes. So full disclosure for everybody. <clears throat> I think I've done over 300 interviews in the last five years. Uh, most of those in the mining space. I've only bought, I've only made speculative investments um, in probably six of those companies after doing an interview. And yours is one of those. So I want our audience to understand that I am biased here because I own the stock. Um, so, uh, but that's probably a good thing because, you know, we did a, a morning drive back at PDAC and uh, I just really liked um, management. It sounded like you guys were very competent. Um, I liked the plan. I say it's speculative because we'll get into it later, but you are waiting on some permitting things and stuff like that. But I decided, you know what? I looked at the market cap of the stock uh, and I thought, I'm going to dip my toes in here and uh, put this in, in more of the speculative side of my, my portfolio. Um, so let's kind of look at your news releases after PDAC. And uh, the first one here is the 43101, the technical report that was filed. Um, do you want to kind of touch on that? Oh, by all means. And, and uh, I'm really impressed that you're a shareholder, Carl. And, um, thank you very much for that. Uh, as a show of support, and I believe that uh, your support will be rewarded in due course. And as far as this uh, news release on the on the updated uh, uh, resource estimation is concerned, uh, it was produced by SRK, which is the preeminent uh, uh, consulting firm in the mining sector in the world. And uh, they're, of course, very, very conservative. And so when we Publish those numbers. We we as management were 100% behind the numbers. We we felt yeah they're conservative. We we you know maybe other consulting firms would have been less strict in the classifications and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, our technical team in Mexico, which is a very very competent technical team, uh, have been 100% satisfied with SRK's estimations and the and the work that they've done and the projections for going forward. So the essence of it is that um, we produced this uh, report that. Uh, shows uh, approximately uh, 420,000 ounces of gold within the pit shells. And by when I'm talking about pit shells, these are uh, have been estimated as being uh, able to be mined uh, at, at um, you know, and, you know, within um, a, a certain uh, triangular configuration. In other words, you have a 60 degree slope on these pit shells and, and uh, you can mine all the way down to the bottom of that 60 degree slope, depending on, on of course, how, how large the footprint is at surface. And so the these uh, pit shells uh, provide us uh, on right at that current uh, projected rate of production up to a 10 year life of mine. And so on that basis right now, the, the, uh, the economics, uh, which were earlier estimated at a, at a, you know, at a different uh, um, uh, daily uh, throughput, um, we, we decided that uh, the, the capital costs of the earlier, of the earlier mine configuration uh, were a little on the high side in relation to the, the market capitalization of our company. And we decided to investigate uh, starting off smaller with what is generally known as a starter pit, uh, which is still a very profitable operation, and, and then build up uh, in year three. And that's what we're working on right now is to develop this uh, new mine plan 
uh, where we uh, start off smaller and ramp up in year three so that uh, we can then use the uh, cash flow in the first two years to pay for additional costs, the additional additional costs for the ramping up uh, starting in year three. And so the Getting back to the the resource estimations, SRK's estimations, I I believe that uh, will now enable us to finish off this uh, brand new uh, PEA or preliminary economic assessment. And um, I believe that this will be a a robust, uh, very robust document that will show the economic viability of the project. And, uh, but it's only a starting point I think it's fair to say that SRK's estimation also includes a, a uh, area surrounding the pit shells that have been drilled and assayed, but where the spacing is not tight enough to be able to have the, the, the resource within these holes classified as within the pit shells. And so they estimate that up to uh, 275,000 additional ounces could be could be accom- accommodated within the pit shells simply by doing additional trenching and by additional drilling. It, essentially, it's infill drilling. And so when you tally it all up, the potential mineralization, therefore, is approaching the 700,000 ounce mark. And we believe very strongly that the, with all the drilling that we've done to date and in relation to the, the overall mineralization on the property, uh, we only have scratched the surface, so to speak. Uh, only 30% of the known mineralized zones have been drilled and assayed to date. And by known mineralized zones, I mean uh, there's a significant amount of work we've done at the surface where we've, uh, where we've um, followed the, the outcroppings of vein structures and assayed them, and uh, they, where these main structures are highly mineralized all throughout the property. And that's where it leads me to suggest that uh, we've only drilled about 30% of the known mineralized zones to date. So I believe that after we um, uh, produce this PEA and we start uh, heading towards uh, production, um, uh, the the essence will be we once we're in cash flow. <coughs> excuse me. Once we're in cash flow, we will drill aggressively, uh, b- based upon the revenue from from the cash flow to expand the resource to where we believe that the potential lies, and it's significantly higher than what we're demonstrating to date. So this is only the start of the journey. We believe right. that uh, we will be able to keep adding ounces uh, over the next uh, two to three years. And for investors, one of the things I like is that you kind of have, you know, you if you can execute on that plan, that's going to be a lot less diluted for the to, to the stock, obviously. That's always been the plan. Is was uh, we we prepared a business plan back in 2018 when we first acquired the the concession, and and we started drilling in late 2018, and the business plan revolved around a one very simple feature. Um, it was very tempting to go ahead and try to drill deeper uh, and to discover a potential Mercedes-style deposit. And Mercedes-style is a uh, is what I'm referring to as the, the na- near neighboring Mercedes mine, which is on the same structure and eight kilometers away. And but Mercedes is a an underground mine, and they're being uh, following these high-grade vein structures at 300, 350 meters below surface. 
And so, you know, there were some factions that uh, that were advocating that we drill deep and go and uh, try to find these high high grade vein structures at depth. Uh, but then the uh, the management team and the technical team in Mexico, we all came to the conclusion that we cannot take a risk at this point in time. Let us first develop a, a large open pitable heap leachable oxide deposit and uh, stick to our guns in that regard. So when you look at over 500 holes have been drilled to date on the property, and of these 500 holes, the average length is 110 meters at a 45 degree dip. Therefore, you know, you work out the math and you've got a true depth of 60 to 70 meters. And we've stuck to that with all of our drilling to date. And we've demonstrated now a very large open pitable resource. And um, now, but the, the interesting aspect of the, the recent drilling, that, which is uh, the drilling we completed in May of 2022, is that we have encountered very similar to uh, the Mercedes mine, very high grade uh, intercepts of up to 48 grams per ton and uh, and wide intercepts as well, you know, five, uh, five and a half grams over 28 meters and, and, and keep going. We've got multiple high grade intercepts in the project now. And, and so I think our, our original vision of staying uh, with the plan to develop an open pitable heap leach resource near surface uh, is paying dividends now because we're finding these Mercedes-style intercepts at 50 to 50 meters below surface. So it, it's opening up the project to and casting it in a totally new light. And we believe that uh, as we continue to drill into the future, we'll be able to expand upon these high-grade zones. So let me challenge you a little bit on Mexico. Has there been any negative uh, news that's come out in the last six weeks or so um, in regards to like political unrest there when it uh, in uh, for mining? Well, there are states in Mexico that uh, mining has been a challenge, and that's putting it putting it mildly. Uh, it could be because of environmental concerns. It could be because of indigenous concerns. Or it could be simply um, political infighting uh, um, um, in, within these states. However, Sonora State in the northwest of Mexico is, in, in my opinion, the, the most friendly mining jurisdiction in all of Mexico. And we, we were blessed with the, uh, the, uh, having uh, Governor Durazo of Sonora, for example, who, who uh, took the time to come to the PDAC convention in Toronto in March. And he outlined to uh, the attendees that um, Sonora State is open for, for Canadian miners to go in and do business in Sonora, and he fully supports it. So that, that is the kind of support that uh, we're generating within uh, Sonora State. And he's advocating for the likes of us uh, who are in the final throes of obtaining the environmental permit at the federal level and he's advocating that this be done, and he's uh, providing the, uh, all the kind of support that they, that uh, Samarnat, the environment, environmental agency, needs in order to make an informed judgment. And we've gone through that process. But I, I don't see any, any political issues at all with Sonora State. Um, I, I, I would, there are three or four states uh, away in the southern part of Mexico that I would have a difficult time and for anybody to convince me to to go into these states and do mining because it would be a, a fruitless task. 
The other thing as well, Carl, that um, was probably in the news and I think is relevant to your listeners is a new mining law that uh, was passed uh, on, uh, it was May, May the 8th, I believe, by the federal government. And um, it was hastily cobbled together, and, but uh, a, it, there were last minute changes that were done to it that made it uh, more, more appealing, more appetizing to uh, the likes of us Canadian miners. But the essence of it is it doesn't affect our ability to build our mine. The, the main component uh, of the, the new mining law was related mainly to new concessions. They, for some reason, the, the federal government has had uh, issues with issuing uh, or granting new concessions. And so they put a moratorium on that, uh, or a de facto moratorium for the past few years. But we're not in the process of, of applying for new concessions. We are in the advanced stage now, and then maybe even beyond the advanced stage of obtaining the environmental permit to build our mine, our open pit heap leach mine. And there's nothing in the new law that would inhibit us from proceeding on that basis. <clears throat> the only change uh, of note that I've seen that could affect us would be that the tenure of the, uh, the mining lease has been reduced from 50 years to 30 years. And as long as you're working in the concession, it'll be extended for a further 25 years. Well, from, you know, if you look at it in, in any, any lighting condition, you'll find that it's not going to make a, any difference to us in that regard. Uh, the other issue that related to the mining law would be the, the use of water for mining purposes. And they, they, um, they, um, classify uh, the, the use of water from mining to be a separate uh, application to the water agency Conagua, and uh, the reservoirs are, are um, limited to 30 percent of, of the water use for mining purposes. Well, the reservoir that we're going to be tapping into for uh, our, our water for the mine uh, is at the San Miguel Reservoir in northern Sonora State, which has a huge uh, um, availability of water. And so we don't see any issues whatsoever in that regard either. And we've gone through the environmental process with SAMRNAP, the environmental agency. We've gone through the question and answer periods. Oh, it's been resolved. Everything has been done to their satisfaction. So we're now at the final throws of, um, okay, when do we get the environmental permit approved? And it's now a matter of, I don't know if it's days, weeks, or months. I can't tell you, but it should not be very much longer. So thanks for covering that. I did I did want to make sure that for potential new shareholders and current shareholders that we covered that because uh, there had been some news that, 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 that have you know come out. Um, some people are trying to scare investors out of Mexico and from what I can see, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect a lot of people, uh, some of these negative things, and they're not as bad as some people were speculating or talking about anyways. We do have uh, over 900 Twitter handles here listening. That's great. If anyone has any questions, you can always put your hand up to speak, and you, or you can just uh, DM me your questions uh, if you don't want to actually come up and speak. When it comes to uh, financing, do you have an open financing right now, or have, have you closed that? No, we have not cl closed it. We announced it, uh, well, I think it was about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Uh, and it's a $3 million financing at uh, $0.10 cents a unit. 
uh, each unit comprised of a share and, and a warrant, which is exercisable for two years at 15 cents. And the reason for this finance, we were, we were very reluctant to, to do our financing because of the market conditions. And, uh, but then we looked at it from the point of view of, uh, well, the, the, there are certain property payments that are coming up in, in July, August. And we figured, uh, let's build a cushion up in order to make these property payments. Also, uh, the, there's been a dearth of, of, uh, of news coming out over the past year because we moved from an earlier consultant on the, on the, re, on the resource estimation side or valuation side, and we moved to SRK. And the SRK started from scratch. So it took an extra almost eight months, eight or nine months to uh, enable SRK to complete their resource estimation. Now, we're, like, once again, I'm not regretting that. The, the fact that uh, SRK have done a, a really stellar job of the, the resource estimation makes up for the, for the loss of news that we, uh, that we encountered over the past uh, eight or nine months. But uh, it did uh, leave uh, some investors uh, a little uh, wary that uh, why, why the long delays or something wrong. Well, the answer is no, there is nothing wrong. In fact, the, the project now is now even stronger than ever before. And we're on the cusp of getting the environmental permit approved as well. And uh, so this financing was a result of um, uh, we want to continue with some additional drilling. We, the original intent was we would, would stop drilling uh, as of May of last year and recommence drilling once we commence uh, with the production and we generate cash flow and por a portion of the cash flow would go towards future drilling. Well, uh, that's a, about a year away. We're estimating right now it'll be a, just over a year before we actually start production uh, based if we're able to get the environmental permit approved over the next two months. And in the meantime, uh, we have some very, very strong drill targets in, in the areas of high grade that we uh, mentioned to you, uh, mainly on the western part of, of, the, of the mineralized zones. And uh, so the intent is to continue to ex expand upon these areas of high grade. And uh, these, the high grade will <clears throat> makes a huge difference in the first few years of operations because the average grade in, in these new zones that we encountered last year is double the average grade from the entire property. And so the goal is to continue to do some additional drilling uh, to expand these uh, higher-grade zones so that we have uh, multiple years of higher-grade production in the first few years. And then once we're in production, of course, everything uh, should start falling, to, falling into place with additional cash flow, additional money being devoted towards the drilling, and we should be able to continue to expand upon these higher-grade zones further. Plus also the areas of the lower-grade which are very, very productive, but that, and, it's, and then it becomes a, <clears throat> a volume project. <clears throat> the more volume you have with, uh, with an average grade uh, of mineralization, that's say in the 0 0.4, 0 0.5 grams per ton range, and the more volume you push through, the more revenue generate. And, and these zones are, or these types of deposits are very easy to mine. Uh, and then if there's multiple deposits of this nature all over Mexico <clears throat> and being very productive and being very economic. <clears throat> so getting back to the financing, uh, yes, 
we um, uh, we are well underway with the financing. I can't tell you the exact number today that we, we've secured to date, but we anticipate uh, being able to close within the next, well, between now and the middle of, uh, of June is what we're estimating. Uh, and uh, we've got some new shareholders that uh, are coming into the into the financing and the uh, many of the financings we did before were to a great extent placed in Europe and we've been focusing on getting uh, North American investors into this financing whether they be in Canada, Mexico uh, or the United States and we're starting to generate some success in that regard so there's still room available so and if your uh, Twitter followers are interested uh, we'd be happy to accommodate them in the financing yeah, that's great. Uh, it's good because obviously I'm not allowed. I don't have an EMD, so I can't do that for you. But, you know, if people want to uh, reach out to Ken directly, then he can facilitate that if you're if you're interested. Um, I did get a DM from someone who said, um, and I, I see this question all the time, actually, so it, it's pretty it's a good one. Um, he's basically asking, actually, or it could be she. Um, what is the biggest risk to a potential new shareholder at this particular point? Well, I, I would imagine it would be uh, a political delays. If there were continued uh, political delays, I would say that would be the biggest risk. But now that the new mining law has been uh, passed, uh, I don't see any reason for the federal government in Mexico to delay the permitting of projects such as ours. And it, it, it was, you know, and the, the mining law has been. Um, uh, very illuminating in many areas. Uh, there was a lot of um, uh, talk about that there was going to be constraints on mining, constraints on open pit mining. And, and guess what? In the new mining law, no constraints whatsoever. Everything, um, the, 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 the national government has been um, uh, develop, wanting to develop their lithium resources in various parts of Mexico. And guess what? Lithium is a, it can only be mined by open pit mining. So yeah, they, all of a sudden, the, the national government has become a champion for open pit mining. So <laughs> nice to have them on board, finally. But um, that would be uh, one risk. The other risk would be um, uh, the resource risk. Let me address that. Um, as it stands right now, um, we produced a, a PEA uh, a year and a half ago, I think it was in July of 2021, that demonstrated uh, the economic viability of uh, the project on the basis of, I believe it was uh, 15,000 tons per day throughput with a seven-year life of mine. Now, the reason we didn't pursue that was because of the higher capital costs. So they, um, the, uh, it would have been in a, in a robust market. If it had a robust market at that time, yes, we would have been able to secure the, the equity component of project finance. But uh, we decided to back off on that and, and go with start off smaller and build up uh, the, the mine size out, out of project revenues. So <clears throat> the, the net result, therefore, is that the, yeah, the risk is minimal in that regard. We know that uh, we can produce in an economic fashion, uh, on, regardless of whether we start off at 15,000 tons per day or whether we start off smaller like we're proposing currently, and we'll be announcing that in the next few weeks. But the, the uh, other risk factor would be the price of gold. 
And of course, we nobody can control the price of gold. Uh, uh, we talked earlier about the macro issues related to the, the future price for gold. And we believe that that is, that is a robust future, a strong future <clears throat> for gold and for gold mining companies. So <clears throat> the... Um, the other thing, if I want to make it a, instead of a, a potential liability, I think it's a potential asset. It's a great asset. We have a technical team and a management team uh, between the four of us. There's two in Mexico, two in Vancouver. Uh, John Darch and I in Vancouver, we've got each have a 45 years experience in, in raising capital for for resource companies around the world. And we've raised many hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh you know, we are fully capable of, of um, being able to uh, complete the, this financing for Sonoro, plus raising the project finance in the next few months as well. And then the technical team in Mexico, Jorge Diaz, our mining engineer and VP operations, he's built 12 gold mines in Mexico over the years. And uh, so he's ex highly experienced in the design, construction, and operation of gold mines. You can't ask for better than that. And our, our VP operations, our VP exploration, Mel Herdrick, he's, he's discovered over 5 million ounces of gold to his credit over the years. And so uh, we've got a, a team that'll take this project through to production. So that removes the element of risk as to whether we're capable of taking it to production. Now, along the way, uh, if uh, we get a, uh, an offer from a, a larger mining company, uh, we will certainly investigate that. We will certainly look at that. We're not immune to uh, to um, uh, in looking at other uh, uh, offers to take the company over. So, but but that will remain in the future. Yeah, and these are all reasons why I invested in the company. Actually, because I'm I, I see a very competent management team. If if the ounces can be found and permits can be uh, permitted, then I I don't see um, you know a, a problem here. What would you say? Over the next six months, what would you say is your number one, out of the things that we've discussed today, your number one priority? Get into production. That's it. Uh, get this environmental permit approved. Uh, and, um, you know, and once again, I, it, it is so close. Uh, it's so imminent that uh, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to attain the, uh, the environmental permit approval in the next two months. And so if that is the case, uh, we're ready for project finance. We've been dealing with potential project financiers now for two and a half years. So we, we've got a good handle on what the appetite is for project finance. We've got a good handle on what the elements are for that uh, project uh, equity versus debt. And so that should kick in uh, relatively quickly. Uh, everything's hinging upon getting this environmental permit approved. And the, the easiest thing after that, once we have the project finance in place, is the construction part, because this is not a complicated construction. Uh, there are no um, uh, areas where you have to build the massive uh, concrete foundations. Um, they, they simply, you know, the essence is you have an open pit, you, have, you produce a little bit of a strip uh, on the open pit, move the overburden off to the side. Uh, then you have the roads. We harden the roads to accommodate the existing roads that that is to, to accommodate the large 85-ton trucks. And then um, the leach pad area, 
uh, has to be flattened and, and, and loaded so that uh, you don't get any distortion in the base of the leach pad. And then you have a small uh, chemical plant that produces uh, eventually and refinery that produces dory. So there's no, the crusher would be the single largest um, uh, element or item for, for, um, uh, for purchasing. And that's a four month delivery on the crusher that we're forecasting right now. And so, like I said, there are no major construction issues involved. It's a very simple, um, you know, if, if I may use an analogy, it's a gravel pit, a glorified gravel pit with gold attached to the rock. So and our job is to, to uh, extricate that gold from the rock formation. So I think I asked you this question when we were taking a drive um, here in Toronto. But um, if I was looking at a pie chart, for for people that uh, are listening or new listeners how what percentage of the float would be institutional versus retail small offices and stuff like that Boy, that's always a topical question uh, let me break it down into how much the insiders own and I, yeah. i'm talking to the insiders being the, the top four guys in the company uh, and the ones i mentioned to two in mexico two in in canada and we control up 26, uh, per, yeah, 26 percent of the shares. And uh, of course, uh, we've been building up that share position for for years now. And um, uh, and uh, so the and on top of that, we have uh, people, uh, major investors that are um, you know have um, you know anything from the 10 million shares all the way down to four or five million shares. And, and these are family trusts uh, and banks out of Germany and Switzerland and family trusts in, in, in Europe as well that have been following us. And their intention is to be with us until we're well into production. And uh, they account for up to another 35%. So when you look at uh, you know, what is within the realm of uh, us phoning up with 10 phone calls and saying, uh, do you support us in this aspect or that? Uh, we we can produce up approximately 60% of the shares in the company. Now, the balance, uh, which would be 60, 80, maybe around 80 million shares, I think uh, 70, about 70 million shares, are scattered far and wide. They're scattered throughout um, uh, Europe. 80% uh, of the volume that uh, we've been encountering on the TSX venture recently originated in Germany or Switzerland. So it goes to show you that there's been a migration of, of uh, ownership uh, into uh, Europe uh, over the past few years. And uh, so we probably have several thousand shareholders uh, represented there. And I, I honestly couldn't pinpoint uh, you know, who the major shareholders would be in, in that regard because it's so widely distributed. Distributed at that uh, all over Europe. Um, where are your favorite places to go and, and market the the company in Europe? Is it like Zurich, um, England? Yeah. yeah, Zurich has been very productive for us. Uh, but uh, Zurich and Geneva always, uh, you know, they've always given a, a very good uh, uh, ear uh, towards uh, Canadian junior mining companies. So that that continues to this day, and we've got a good representation there. In in Switzerland, but the the main body of trading uh, occurs on the German exchanges, and uh, I would say 
uh, of like I mentioned before, eighty percent of the of the trading in the TSX originates in Germany. Well, uh, or uh, we believe it's mostly Germany, but a little bit of Switzerland. And uh, so you got the Stuttgart Exchange, the Frankfurt Exchange, the Berlin, uh, and TradeGate, and so it's um, it's scattered all over Germany. And we do have um, uh, corporate communications in in Germany with a company called Exino, and uh, they've been with us now. Well, long before the uh, Sonora was incorporated, and uh, we've got a 25, 30-year relationship with Axino, and, and they do a marvelous job for us in Germany. Someone was asking here, uh, what's your cost per meter to drill? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, the we've had a long-term contract with Lane de Mexico, uh, and Lane has been... Um, uh, very, very uh, cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of competition for drilling in, in Mexico. And so we've been paying an average of uh, for RC drilling, river circulation drilling, that's about um, $45 per meter. That's strictly for the drill rig. Then you add the assays into that and the support, um, it, uh, you know, the, the preparation of the drill pads and the roads to them. Uh, it all totals up to around $105 per meter all in. Uh, with the um, core drilling, it's uh, it's about a $145 per meter. So it's still relatively inexpensive, but very inexpensive in relation to uh, similar kind of drilling in, in Canada, for example. I've, I've heard stories of uh, drilling costing you know over three hundred dollars per meter in Canada, and uh, so fortunately we we don't have that uh, kind of problem. Okay. Um, any new changes to the board or management at all? Everyone's still intact. Yeah, they, they had, we've had not we have not had any changes in several years. I don't believe. Uh, for the next um, board meeting or the next annual general meeting coming up at the end of June, uh, there'll be one change. One of our long-term um, um, board members, Neil Medell, uh, has decided to to retire, and he'll be replaced by um, our uh, VP operations in Mexico, Jorge Diaz. And uh, it was well-timed as well because the Jorge has been, he was one of the founders of the company and he's been working on the projects uh, ever since the company went public in 2011. And uh, now obviously he will be recognized as uh, one of the directors, uh, provided of course the shareholders uh, uh, vote for him and I'm sure they will. And so I'm looking forward to working closely with Jorge because he's been a dynamic factor in propelling this uh, project forward and 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 he's um, for lack of a better term he's chomping at the bit to get to build this mine and get it into production uh, someone uh, dm me a question this is this is a, a good one to ask uh, are you involved in any other projects outside of sonora gold no i'm not so you're you're just focused on this yeah I'm focused 100% on Sonoro. In fact, uh, uh, my colleague John Dart and I were joking uh, recently about, uh, you know, you know th somebody was mentioning, I guess you guys work a 40-hour week. Well, it's more like an 80-hour week. And so uh, this, this is not a, a job for us. This is, this is a lifestyle for us. And uh, 
the end result of this lifestyle, the reward for us will be to get this project into, into operation, into production, and uh, all the shareholders will reap the benefits of that. That's right, and and the local communities will too, uh, with jobs and and you know putting money into the economy. I well, here's the thing with the local, and this is what really uh, where we get the support of the of the Sonoran government is uh, this this project is going to create up to three hundred over two hundred jobs in that district uh, in Sonora, in that uh, the Cucurpe district. And it's a, it's a mining district to begin with. So the amount of talent that is available to us, um, educated workforce, uh, very technically oriented because they, there's mines all over the place uh, in this part of Sonora. So the community, the local community of Cucurpe is very much in support of the project. And they're 15 kilometers away. So we're, we're blessed with the fact that there's no, we don't have any neighbors. We don't interfere with anybody's backyard or sight lines. And we're not contaminating the environment in any way, shape, or form. Um, where do you want to go from here? Uh, we've covered a lot already. Is there anything that we haven't uh, that you'd like to touch on? I think the uh, the the probably the future direction for the company, uh, assuming that we proceed with the building the mine ourselves, and we have that capability, and we've got the track record to prove it. Uh, the, the next goal is to develop the the other property. We have the San Marcial property. It's drill ready. It's 30 kilometers as a crow flies to the southwest of the Cerro Caliche property. Uh, it takes a little longer by road, of course. But the um, that project has similar kind of potential to our Cerro Caliche project. And so we, we do want to get into uh, the drilling phase with that because uh, it's a very exciting project for us as well. Now, beyond that, there are multiple projects that we've been assessing in Mexico over the past few years. And the fact that uh, money has been, you know, exploration funds have been very, very tight recently uh, has sort of enabled us or forced us to pull our horns in and wait until the conditions are better before we start moving in on additional properties. Well, Ken, I want to thank you for joining me today on a, on a Twitter space. I know this is your first time doing it. I um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Carl. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lovely environment to be able to talk to, to uh, uh, multiple people. Yeah, it's great. A lot of people, um, like there's over 800 people, 800 Twitter handles listening right now. That's a big number, um, you know, and uh, the, quite the audience uh, and, and gold following um, on Twitter. Uh, it's by far the biggest investment audience I've ever seen in my life, frankly. Um, you know, people can do these remotely. Um, so, you know, I do encourage you to check more spaces out. And uh, I know you got a company to run and, and I'm sure you're a busy man. Uh, but Twitter is definitely a really good place to be. So, um, yeah, now, again, uh, now, Carl, if, if anybody wants to connect with me directly, uh, how, how can they, how can they uh, connect with you? Should, should we provide my email address or what's, what's uh, the best way? Yeah, I, I would say your email address, uh, would be, would be awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I know people, do you have the, uh, your phone number on the, um, on the website or do you just have like a company number? Uh, the company number is on okay. the website. Uh, my okay. email address is ken at sonorogold.com. So K-E-N at 
Sonoro, S-O-N-O-R-O, gold.com. Very well. That's the best way to get me because my, my cell phone gets a little jammed at times. Yep. So I think we've covered a lot today. Uh, we, uh, I mean, again, I'm biased. I, I do own shares in the, in the company, um, you know, but macro wise, I love gold. I, I I don't care if it pulls back a little bit. I, for me, that's a buying opportunity across the board with any gold stock that I own. I would average down. Uh, in fact, I uh, I know it's not what you want to hear, Ken, but I do look forward to even a little bit more of a pullback because then I'd be buying a couple of, uh, or there's an ETF that I watch, a double leverage ETF on the gold side. So I'd load up on that. Um, but I, I just think it's a fantastic time, very difficult to avoid recession. It's a matter of when. Um, it does look like rates might go up a little bit more. Uh, the next meeting is June 7th here in Canada. I don't know when the next one is in the U.S., which is obviously more important. But we love gold around here, and, and I absolutely love your company. So uh, hopefully, maybe we can uh, catch up with you in the fall, uh, September onward, and and uh, or if you get, do get your permits and uh, you know there's a big catalyst there, then we can catch up with you then. Let's do that. And it was a real pleasure talking to you and to your Twitter followers. I look forward to any feedback. Okay, Ken, thank you very much. I'm glad we got it figured out and I look forward to doing another one. Great stuff. Thanks, Carl. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.